1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talkin' Knicks. I'll be your host, Greg Poon, today. Uh, Jake is out picking up his girlfriend from the airport because he's a nice guy. Uh, That's debatable. No, it's not. Jake's a nice guy. Uh, (laughs) I'm here with uh, Kenny, my brother, and Tom. Hey, let's talk Knicks. The New York
0: Knicks select Christoph Post and toes, puffing, and stuffing, Again, igniting and exciting the garden crowd.
1: Kenny, how you doing today?
0: I'm doing good. Doing good. I had a nice little weekend. We had uh there was a a Roaring 20s end of Prohibition anniversary party or something in the the bars of New Haven this weekend. My good friend Tom Piccolo, who is also here, was also there. So, um, I am here
2: and I was there. We had a blast.
0: Yeah, and you know, uh, it got a lot more kind of festive than I anticipated. A lot of people dressed up as people from the 20s, you know, wearing their black dresses. They had the suspenders and bow ties, which is kind of normally my look. But uh, Tom doesn't have any 20s clothes, so we didn't actually dress up. I just wore jeans like a like a person from today.
2: That's mostly true, but I did, I did rock a 20s-style hat, you know, like one of those kind of derby-style hats I got from my grandfather. He passed it down to me, and now I wear it to Great Gatsby-themed parties. And that's the only time you ever wear it. Exclusively then, yes.
1: Well, I mean, you go, you go to a lot of great Gatsby-themed parties, though, so it gets a good amount of use. <laughs> Guilty as charged, my friend. All right. Well, I'm also doing good. Thanks for asking. Uh, I, had, I had an eventful weekend myself. Went to a Stanford Santa Con. Everybody dressed up as Santa. I had a Santa hat. Uh, I actually ordered a suit, but it didn't get delivered, or it did get delivered, but I don't know where it is because t- I live in a big apartment building. So, they tell me when I get packages, but nobody told me. So, it's somewhere. Someone's wearing a Santa suit that I ordered. But such is life. Yeah, hurt.
2: Yeah, those things are usually pretty wild. I know Tom, I think Tom went to a few in the city. I did. I used to go to uh, Santa Connor 2 back in New York. Is it, is it the same in Stanford, Greg? To get pretty wild?
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it was a wild time. It's not in New York City, but there were people partying, to say the least. Anyway, enough about Santa. Let's talk Knicks. This week we went one and two. Uh, losses to the Trailblazers, win against the Heat, and a loss to the Magic today. Uh, let's go in order. Let's break it down. Loss to the Blazers was absolutely horrible. Um, Knicks didn't look like an actual basketball team for the majority of the game. We're losing by 26 points after three quarters. Uh finally got it together in the fourth outscored the the Blazers 27-13 in the fourth but like I said they were losing by 26 after three so the 14 point swing didn't didn't do much um, offense scored 37 points in the first half for comparison's sake the Blazers scored 37 points in the third quarter and Trey Thompson also once scored 37 points in a in a quarter so Plays good. Not not the best performance by the Knicks on that day. Let's let's hear what you guys got. Tom, what are you thinking about this this Blazers loss?
2: Yeah, man, it it was not pretty. So going into the game, the Blazers had the second ranked defense in the league. And you look at that personnel and you just think, like, how could that possibly be? Given, you know, they've got their two guards and Dame Lillard and CJ McCollum, who, you know, are not known as plus defenders. They've got a couple guys on the wing who are okay defending the perimeter. You got uh, Evan Turner gets some minutes. Noah Vonleh, I guess, has kind of turned into a defensive player, and then they've got Pat Connaughton out there. Um, and it just it, it doesn't add up. And then the, on the inside, you've got Shabazz, Youssef, Shabazz Napier, another small guard. Or you can and then uh, Yusuf chip. Yusuf Nurkic at the center, like not like trying to protect the rim. So it doesn't make sense that the Knicks wouldn't be able to score in them, but it, that was the case. Like they were. Settling for mid-range jumpers, they were not really running any type of offense, and it was just it was a, an ugly, uh, game in terms of shot selection, and the results kind of bared that out. They were not not able to score very well.
0: Tom, you missed the biggest story of this game, and that's that Joakim Noah got in. You know, he got his first minutes of the season. Played three minutes. Played pretty well made a layup, which he did not do a single time last year, and that is a scientific fact. Um, But, you know, he brought some energy in his three minutes, and, you know, that was good. But uh, like Greg said, the most of the the rest of the game was not good. Um, I think just, you know, I think we're going to talk about it a little later, but without Cantor, they just – very little fight and very little energy coming from the team. And, you know, they got down
2: early and – and it was great to see that coming from Noah. You know, when you watch him do it as a part of other teams, you think, "Oh, I really hate that guy." But when he does it for the Knicks, it's it's a lot of fun. I was definitely excited. I was amped up for those three minutes of Noah. Yeah,
0: best three minutes of the game, and then you know, things didn't go so great. But you know, some some people had solid stat lines. I know Kylo, uh, Kylo Quinn had you know eleven rebounds and scored eight points on four of eight shooting, which is not terrible. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. had another, you know, kind of inefficient shooting night. He went 6 for 18. Porzingis went 6 for 16. And, like, I think that was my what to watch for at the end of uh, uh, last pod was just how does Porzingis shoot it. And, you know, in that Portland game, he didn't shoot it particularly well. So it's just one of those nights that the, the ball didn't go in the hoop.
1: Yeah, it was, a, it was an absolutely horrible, horrible game. The the thirty seven points in the first half really says it all. Uh, I want to pull out some positives, but uh, there really wasn't much. The Joe Kim Noah three minutes was good. Uh, Michael Beasley was plus eleven off the bench. I don't know if that's good because I don't know if we we want him doing good good enough to play because I don't know if he should play. I, I yeah. Don't
0: know. He's, He's in a weird spot. Um, I, there, I mean, there was there was some positives. I guess going into the like you said, the the fourth quarter was a good quarter, um, and it was particularly good because there was a bunch of guys who don't usually get minutes. Like uh, Billy was out there that quarter, and he, you know, in his few minutes this year, he has been very bad defensively. But while he was out there, the Knicks played very good defense, um, at least for that you know one quarter, and so you know. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take that as a positive and I know you know Ramon Sessions had a you know, he looked all right in uh, the short time he was out there. So, you know, again that's a similar situation with Beasley. Like, do we want Ramon Sessions out there a lot? Probably not, but you know, y- you find the positives where you can, guys.
1: Yeah, I got another like half positive. I don't know, it'd be a positive for you and probably not as much of a positive for me because I'm not not just, or I'll just say it, and then we'll understand why it's that. Was Frank Frank taking 11 shots? Shot three for 11. I know you're all for him firing away, but three for 11 is bad. So Objectively bad. So I'm like, I'm all for it. Shoot some shots, but make them is what I would suggest.
0: Yeah. I mean, that would definitely be better. I think the big thing for Frank is, like, it, it is good to see him kind of getting comfortable out there, and we saw a little bit more of that tonight but uh eventually the shots are gonna fall so i mean if you look at any of the the stats for any of the the rookie guards they are all shooting terribly from the floor so i'm not too worried about frank would be better if he was making shots but you know at least he's taking them next shot step is to make them and then we're good
1: yeah i'll say one funny thing that frank does uh he He likes to pump fake from three, take one dribble, and then shoot a a really long two. That seems to be his go-to move. That
0: is his go-to move. And I think, Tom, didn't you do a little little article recently kind of doing the analysis into the mid-range jumpers from that game and how that was kind of the Knicks downfall? So maybe it's all Frank's fault is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, I don't know if we could blame it all on Frank, but uh, yeah, I did throw a few stats out there that, and basically the, the general idea of it is that like a catch and shoot field goal attempt is almost always better than an off the dribble attempt, and mid range jump shots are among the least efficient shots you can take. You know, if you're able to get to the rim, that's usually more efficient. Or if you take a three, it's worth an extra point, so that kind of balances out. Um, you know, the the greater degree of difficulty in a three pointer. So. Yeah, the, the Knicks were just taking a bunch of, they took 32 shots from the mid-range, which is 10 more than their average coming into the game. Um, and they took just a bunch of, a lot of their field goals were just unassisted, right? So that's kind of a, a measure of, if it's a good offense, are they getting assists? Are they moving the ball? Or is it a lot of iso ball? And in this one, it was mostly isolation shots and not a lot of uh, ball movement and sharing the ball going on.
1: Yeah, and uh you mentioned the three-pointer. I was going to bring this up later, but I feel like this is a natural point for it. The Knicks are giving up the most three-pointers in the NBA, which is uh like 12.4 or 5, and they are making the
2: fewest or not the fewest, the 28th most, the third fewest. So Yeah, Greg, I'm glad you brought that up about defending threes cuz I did a little bit of research into that myself. And uh so not only are they giving up the most threes per game, they're also giving up the most corner threes per game, which is like it's kind of a foot closer than than above the break. And so that makes it one of the more efficient shots in the league. Um, and not only that, so nearly – they also give up the second most in terms of a percentage of opponent shots that are either open or wide open threes. So just the, not only are they giving up a bunch of threes, but they're also – the highest proportion of open or wide open shots. Only the Kings give up a little more. So the Knicks are not in good company when it comes to defending the three point line.
0: And that's you know that just doesn't make kind of a lot of sense, right? Because they have the number one shot blocker in the NBA right now, and Christoph Porzingis. So you'd figure they would you know defend a little harder, getting around screens, and like be able to to pressure the 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 offensive player a little more, but apparently they're just not doing it. And I don't know, you know, I, I have watched the games and you you see just so many wide open threes and it gets a little frustrating at, at some point, but I I just don't understand how, how it's the, how that's kind of the norm because they have capable defenders. Like, I, I don't know what you guys think.
2: No, you're right. They, they have good rim protectors back there. So you think they'd be able to get out there and more aggressively uh, contest three pointers. But I mean, it could just be a personnel thing too. Like Jared Jack's getting up there in age. Um, you know, Frank's still learning the ins and outs of NBA defense, even though he's he's a terrific defender, or he's shown flashes of it certainly. Um, but yeah, it, you're right. It, it is a little confusing.
1: Yeah, I mean the rotations just very often look like uh, they're not like they're not even there really. People just look lost, and then that's they end up with a wide open three. But then they they figure it out in the fourth quarter, so they should just try to do that the
0: Probably whole game
1: earlier yeah. yeah and i mean moving on from from the defending the three where we need to shoot more threes right guys yes. we're giving up we're giving up uh other teams are making 12 and a half we're making about eight and a half so that's that's four points right there i mean it's 12 points but i'm assuming we make four more twos to balance it out so it's four it's four free points for the other team and for for in the NBA today, the three pointer is king. You got the Rockets and the the Golden State Warriors who just are launching away. We don't have the personnel that they do, but if they have better personnel and they're they're utilizing this extra point that's available on each possession, it's, it's something we should consider.
2: Yeah, you're really fighting against math when you're uh, taking as few threes as the Knicks do, and and you know we talk about the personnel, but like. Porzingis is is a forty percent three point shooter. Doug McDermott is a forty percent three point shooter. Courtney Lee, another forty plus percent three point shooter. Um, and Lee and McDermott just need to just take more. You know, like it, it, just in terms of volume, just get those shots up. And I think that uh, Hornacek can do a better job of, of getting them more open looks on a perimeter. But these are these are borderline knockdown guys. And I know, I you know, I just watched McDermott. Um, today against the Magic, so that's kind of lingering in my mind how he did not shoot the ball particularly well. But, you know, that was a, a one-game sample. It's just over the course of time, McDermott shooting five threes a game is going to be a good thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Hornets needs to emphasize that. And the other thing, the other person that you
0: kind of just glossed over there uh, is you didn't really talk about Timmy, who in his career is a good shooter. Um, This year, less so. I know uh, we've talked about it before that he's taking a lot of threes and he's not making many of them, which is a problem. But, you know, he's a capable shooter. Um, Frank in Europe last year shot over 40%, so he's a capable shooter who's just going to find his stroke. And then uh, Lance Thomas has been, you know, shown flashes of being able to kind of make shots. So they have a lot of guys that can shoot, um, and maybe it's just a matter of kind of getting the offense more in that direction and setting up up uh, their, you know, motion offense in order to get more shots at the or uh, from from three rather than you know the mid-range jumpers and you know the other shots that they've been getting. so
2: Yeah, one, one point on Timmy is I was just noting guys who I think should take more threes. Uh, Tim Hardaway, he's taken more than seven a game. I think he's good. He kind of gets it, you know, uh, the numbers game. He, he probably doesn't need to, to launch any more than he currently is. But but we've got a few, like Porzingis should. Uh, Courtney Lee should. McDermott should. Lance Thomas could jack a few more threes. Um, just overall, this team needs, needs to shoot a little bit, little bit more from deep.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of that is also our, our feature guys – not not so much Timmy, but uh Cantor and Porzingis are not the most gifted passers, say the least. And if we had them being able to better distribute, we could uh be getting more open threes. So it's something to think about. I mean enough enough about let's move on to the next game. Big win this week against the Miami Heat. Uh one fifteen eighty six. Couple big storylines. Return of Venus Cantor, who was amazing in that game. And the, the biggest storyline of the week, Chris Taps Porzingis, three 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 and a half minutes into the game or, or something like that, uh, stepped on somebody's foot and... and Justice, they, Winslow. Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow's foot and he sprained his ankle. and He left the game, didn't play the rest of the game. They said he was available to come back. He didn't end up coming back because the Knicks were doing so well. Hopefully that was the reason. But then he didn't play again today, so... Seems like it wasn't actually the reason. So let's let's hear your thoughts. Let's start let's start by talking about uh Enos Cantor and what he did for the team. What do you what do you got for me, Ken?
0: Yeah, so like I was saying before, in the in their loss to Portland, like they just didn't have energy and they didn't have the, the toughness that they needed. I know there was a quick um time period where they I think Frank got in a fight with someone. So Frank and Beasley got in a fight with someone in the Portland game, but that was the only kind of energy they showed. Um, the this game was kind of the complete opposite, right? Where Porzingis went out and everyone was all worried, and then you know, Cantor's out there grabbing rebounds and you know, getting second chance points, and his line was twenty-two and fourteen, which is crazy. But I, I think, and Tom, Tom did another piece on him, kind of getting a deep dive in the analysis, and to his credit, his. One of the things he said was that, you know, while the stats aren't always there, like they don't, that doesn't tell the whole story just because court, the Knicks just look like a completely different team in terms of, you know, their energy levels and, you know, their ability to actually play basketball. So that's, that's my feeling on the guy. I love him.
2: Yeah, I mean, Kanter brings just a ton of emotion. He's kind of got that Joe Kim Noah factor to him as well. Uh, the only difference is he can actually, he has some touch around the rim, and actually a great deal of touch. He, he seems to make everything within the restricted area. Um, and it was very evident that the Heat were missing Hassan Whiteside because they just had no answers for Cantor down low. Uh, I think it was um, Bam Adebayo. How do you say his last name? Atabayo? Yep, that, that's right. Atabayo. He, he used the rim. Bam Atabayo for the Heat, trying to defend Cantor down there and just had no shot at it. Um, and so, yeah, like, the, the Knicks got 38 shots within the restricted area, made made uh, 63% of them. League average is about 57. So, like, they, they were really strong down low. And, and the other thing is, which is less sustainable, it, they were actually taking... And making all their mid-range jumpers nearly like at a a much greater percentage than normal. So, when when you're dominating down low and making your mid-range jump shots, then that's like the only instance when it doesn't matter whether you're shooting threes or and making them. So, um, yeah, the Knicks didn't need the threes.
0: They only shot 13 threes. Like that's, I'm saying. That's just kind of crazy. That's kind of crazy, Tom. I'm saying. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to kind of throw in there was I know Porzingis only played two and a half minutes or something like that. Uh, but in those two and a half minutes, he was two for two and just kind of the uh, the Heat tried to send Justice Winslow to guard him. And Winslow's like a foot shorter than him. So he just shot over him twice and made the two shots. And then I just assumed that Winslow intentionally injured him to get out of that assignment. And then they lost by 30 anyway. So, you know, that's that's
1: karma for you. Yeah, yeah. I think his name's Justice. I don't, eh,
2: I don't know why he's with down. an S. Can't put a little flair on it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's something. Uh, another thing to note everyone on the Knicks played and everyone had a positive plus minus. That's fun. That's a fun thing to that do. That is fun. Then another thing this has nothing to do with the game. But since we're talking about a love for Enos Cantor, did you guys see his tweet about LeBron getting ejected? So, yeah. Yeah. He took a screenshot, <laughs> circled the ref, and said, King of Cleveland, strive for greatness or whatever. Whatever LeBron said after he beat the Knicks. Or his after, favorite playground. After Kyle Korver beat the Knicks. So it, it was fun. It was a fun thing to do. Everybody everybody should love Enos Cantor. love his energy, love his commitment to the team, love love how much he loves the Knicks. So let's go. Yeah, let's go.
2: I, I will say he he's a very loyal guy, but – he also still has, has some love for the Thunder. Did you see he when the Thunder beat the Warriors? He was tweeting it like, you know, like the Thunder were his second family or something. I, I didn't know about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that was a little suspect. I think that's half love for the Thunder and half hatred for Kevin Durant. So, so we'll just we'll just chalk it up to that. And, and him and Stephen
0: Adams, I just assume they're like. Crazy close. We can uh, we can ask Jake to ask his OKC fans, but like they're the Bash Brothers, and they just have that similar caveman look to them, so they're they're probably pretty tight.
1: Yeah, I mean, people that look the same are always friends with each other. I think that. I think a, that is how that works. I think that's a rule. Uh, it's let's Bash mo- Brothers. Let's move on. Let's uh, mm. Chris. S. Porzingis got injured. I guess we should talk about that. What do you What do you think about that, Tom? You think he'll be all right? What, you worried? What do you well, think?
2: Of- I wasn't worried after they reported that he would, was able to come back and they just didn't seem to need them, need him. But uh, today's game against the Magic, they didn't know whether or not they were going to need Porzingis, and they sat him anyway. And now these reports are coming out that he's not even going to make the trip to Indiana for the next game. So um, I think it's more worrisome than they originally let on. Hopefully they're not pulling like a 76ers franchise on us and, and – Kind of obscuring what's really happening on the medical side of things. But, uh, you know, this could just be a cautionary thing. He's, he, Porzingis is a big guy. He he gets these, like, bumps and bruises from time to time. And uh, I'm not going to overreact to this until something definite comes out.
0: Yeah. And I think this is kind of a, like, like you said, I wasn't worried. Um, when, you know, he didn't come back in because they were out 30. I wasn't even particularly worried when he didn't play tonight just because they have a back-to-back. And this, you know, they've had two other back-to-backs this year where they just sat him the second night. So I thought maybe they're just going to, you know, not play him the first night and play him the second night. But, you know, I'm a little more kind of concerned given that he's not making the trip to Indiana. But again, I think this might be a thing where it's like, all right, well they're going to Indiana for a night and then they're coming back to New York maybe they'll just give him an extra uh, extra couple days rest cuz they're not playing for this year so you know i think keeping him healthy is probably their most uh, important thing moving forward because uh, he is the centerpiece of the franchise so um, i don't like i think if they were if if this was a different situation where they were you know fighting for a playoff spot and they thought that they had a chance to win the championship and they're fighting for playoff position Maybe he, he's out there playing uh, with a couple of these Knicks. But, like, um, other teams who are, you know, in championship contention don't even cl- care about the regular season. So I'd, maybe I'm wrong. You know? So maybe, maybe no one cares wouldn't... about
2: the regular season. Yeah. Here's yeah. the thing, though. Yeah. I want to push back a little bit just because, you know, just last week we were talking about how how the Knicks are fighting for an 8 seed or, or a 7 or 8 seed in the playoffs, you know. So, like, we – I don't know if our expectations have entirely changed in the past week, but that's kind of something that we've been talking about. So, I, you know, I it is worrisome from that perspective. If, indeed, the Knicks or, and Knicks fans want this team to make the playoffs, then uh, I don't think throwing away games like to the Magic, which is a winnable game, or to the Pacers, which is still winnable even though they've been playing well. You know, you want to win these these games that are kind of toss-ups, if three, you want to make the
0: playoffs, yeah, I'm just saying that there's a bigger picture, right? Because I, I agree. I think they're they have the you know chance to to take the eighth seed um, in the East, but I don't think that's their ultimate goal moving forward. Um, and I think they're you know probably more willing to sacrifice a few games this year than you know let minor injury become a major injury for Kristaps. So that's just kind of how I see things. I, I don't think it's a, a serious injury. I just think it's kind of more precautionary.
1: Yeah, I I'm with Tom here. I don't I don't really like your outlook to be honest. I think we are playing for something this year, which is why we've fielded the team and we've we've put put them on the court. So, I think we're going to try and make the playoffs this year. Um, that's been our goal. We've said that a few times. Maybe maybe we're not planning on winning the championship this year, but like Tom said before, playoff experience is is going to be invaluable to these guys if that is the bigger picture. There's no team that's going to just make the playoffs for the first time and win the championship. So we, we might want to just dip our toes into the water before we before we dive into the deep end next
2: year. Yeah, well, I mean, the biggest thing is also going to be making sure that Porzingis stays when his rookie contract is up. So, you know, doing what's best for him makes sense. And, you know, if he's hurt, then, yeah, you you don't play him. That's a no-brainer. I guess the, what we don't know is just the severity of the ankle injury if this is overly cautious you know to the detriment of the team or if this is just a conservative move that needs to happen because he was actually injured right so we you know that's a little just speculation on our side that we don't really know about but in terms of the team's mindset i should think it would be to make a run at the playoffs because i don't think that there's a chance that they're going to get like a top five seed they're just not bad enough yeah they're not going to top five pick or a, top, or Sorry, a top, or top
1: five seed. They're not going to do either of those. Either spanks. of those. Thank you. Yeah. So we're we're somewhere in the middle. Uh, I think he is probably actually injured. The uh, the if you saw the picture, it looked like it hurt a lot. To be honest, yeah, we, it we, looked bad. We've all sprained our ankle. It's uh, he he couldn't really walk very well. I mean, he he was walking a little with the help of Willie. That's uh, that's that's. That's what Willie does for the team this year. He helps Chris for Zingas when he gets injured. Um, yeah, hmm. he'll be he'll be better eventually. Let's move on to, to tonight's game against the Magic, which we've which we've mentioned. Uh, a loss to the Magic. No Tim Hardaway. No Chris Tabs. Michael Beasley started. Damian Dotson started. The Magic looked horrible. The Knicks looked more horrible, and we we ended up losing because we didn't have our two best players. And that, that that turned out to be an important factor in this game. So, I mean, I liked a lot of what I saw, being able to see these guys hang into a game without Chris Stapps and without Timmy. But they went down 17, I think, really early. Um, gave up a, a lot of points in the first quarter, which has seemed to be something the Knicks have done every first quarter for the last three or four years, if not my entire life. I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. So what, what are you guys thinking? Did you, did you like what you saw? I mean, it's tough to judge this game because we didn't have our two best players. Did you like what you saw from these other role players? Did you, did you want to see more? I don't know. What do you, what do you got for me, Kent?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think you guys know my general philosophy is that if KP doesn't play, then the game doesn't really count. Um, so I guess we just kind of have to, see what else we can find, uh, within the team. And, you know, I, I, we've been saying a lot in the last few pods and just Courtney Lee has kind of been a very important player on this team. And tonight, um, is no different. You know, he was the guy that they they were calling his number down the stretch when it was close. And, you know, he had a very good night. He, he scored 19 points on eight of 13 shooting when one of three from three had a five rebounds, two assists, and two steals, and, you know, he's he's kind of the veteran presence on this team, and he's he's been around for for a while, and I know they were saying tonight he he was a rookie on Orlando when they made it to the finals with uh, Dwight Howard, so, you know, I think he is, you know, right now, while they're still in the playoff run, he's going to be a very important player, just kind of guiding the rest of these guys, and I think you saw that tonight.
2: Yeah, no. Courtney Lee was definitely awesome. He was plus seven in his minutes, so the, the Knicks were obviously uh, doing well when he was on the floor. Doug McDermott led the team with a plus eight in his thirty minutes. So, I mean, that's that's a pretty solid plus minus, and it's not like he you know, he played a good amount of minutes despite only going one for seven from the field. Uh, McDermott did not shoot the ball well, and there were a couple of frustrating things for me here. One was the the Knicks let the Magic shoot just. Wide open three after wide open three. They got really lucky that the Magic they shot 28 threes in total, only made six of them, going twenty-one percent from three, which is just pathetic. But I, I was worried about the defense. Um, maybe even more frustrating though was just some of the officiating. I don't like to go to the refs to blame, but I mean the, the foul disparity, the free throw disparity it was twenty-nine free throws for the Magic, ten for the Knicks. And I mentioned how many threes the Magic were taking, too. They were launching from deep and getting a bunch of uh, free throws. Knicks, not so much. Some of those were just really ticky-tack fouls.
0: Yeah, there was, that, there was that stretch with the two in a row called on Michael Beasley when, you know, one of them was when Fournier like, was driving to the hoop and just kind of decided he wasn't going to land on his feet, and the other one was Aaron Gordon, shot a three, missed it, landed, and then just kind of sat down, and they called the foul on... Uh, on Beasley, and it's just like, what is going on?
2: I mean, look, I'm not not uh, saying the Knicks played well enough to, like, deserve to win this game, but it was still frustrating to see the refs take away some of those opportunities. And just on on calls that interrupted the flow of the game and just made it less of an enjoyable product to watch, regardless of who you're rooting for, they were just bad calls.
0: I took the ball out of my boy Frank's hands. They gave him three fouls in the first, you know, five minutes he played. Two of them probably were fouls. One of them, I'm less... You know, convinced about,
1: but still, you know, yeah. And you you mentioned the foul disparity. It was it was twenty four to eleven, and uh, Knicks. I think they fouled twice down the stretch, so we'll call it twenty two to eleven, which is still not not very even. I know one like major. Most of the most of the bad officiating was in the first and second quarter, I think, and then it continued to be bad. But it was it was way worse in the first half, I think. But the the big big call was. Most spates getting uh, a charge getting called on uh, Michael Beasley. That would have been an and one. I think it would have given the Knicks the lead, maybe, or, or made it made it close. So, so that was that was in the fourth quarter. Also, I should mention that. So, that that hurt our our chances of winning. And then, I mean, like like Tom said, a lot of open threes. Luckily, they missed. Didn't, didn't see a lot of good stuff from from many people I don't know Frank went four for nine which was which was promising yeah. he had nine points you always love to see Frank do good he did a three he made a three which is worth that's what we've been talking about we need more of that and uh one thing I want to mention about Frank his is on the ball defense looked good today but he lost DJ augustine a couple times off the ball and one of those ended up in a wide open three another one ended up in a wide open three that didn't go in. One ended up going in, the other one didn't. And again, Frank on offense is just—it just feels very meth- methodic. I'll say, if not robotic. And p- part of that today is you don't have the two people who who create their their own, their own shot. So it's not entirely his fault today. But there were times today where he just there. I remember one play he just gave the ball to Kylo Quinn and then ran away. And Kylo Quinn was just standing at the top of the key, like trying to not dribble. And hmm. it it, was, it just got ugly for a little bit when, when Frank was in. And what did we think about uh, the fourth quarter when uh, Jeff Hornacek decided to put in Ramon Sessions for the that first? That, that was Ron ridiculous. on
0: Baker? No, I am with you. That was kind of ridiculous. Like it was a, very close game. I think it was three points at that that time, and then they put in Ramon Sessions, who hadn't played all game. And you know, you got to give you, you can't just throw a cold guy into a close game like that, like if there's no reason for it, right? Because they had they had Frank and Frank on the bench, and they had Jarrett Jack, who had you know an okay game. Like he he had nine points and seven assists. Like
2: why did that happen? It was completely mind boggling. That Ramon Sessions made his way into the game. That was the first moment when I was like, "Maybe Hornacek wants this pick." (laughs) Like, like, there's just no way that that's what you do when you want to win a basketball game. That was, I mean, Jared Jack was was plus three in his 27 minutes. Jack's capable of playing more than 27 minutes in games. So, like that, and Frank only played 16. So, like, he had some foul trouble too. Frank did, but like, but Jared Jack, there's no excuses there. Like, he he certainly should have been in during that fourth quarter stretch. If he needs a breather, then sure. Like, Frank could stop up a few minutes. But, I mean, Sessions was in for four minutes. He was minus five while he was out there and was just not a contributor in any way.
0: Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to kind of rip on Sessions, which I've been doing most of the season, because he, he played some decent basketball this week. You know, he had a couple games where, you know, he was getting to the rim and he was getting buckets. But I don't think you put him in a good position. where no, he
2: was put in he, a position of fail. You're
0: right. Yeah. That's exactly it, because he hadn't played all night. And you're just going to throw him into a three-point game down the stretch in the fourth quarter? Like,
2: I don't know if that's the best play. All right, and one thing I want to bring up here, and I want to get Greg's opinion on it too, because I know Greg is a, is a big fan of bucket getters. So Michael Beasley, people are going to look at his line and, and see that he led the team in scoring. He was 10-19 from the field, one-for-one one from three. He ended up with 21 points. He had three rebounds and an assist. Also, five turnovers. Um and some, some questionable defense. I'm curious what you guys thought about his overall performance and, and what he brings to this team. I think that uh,
1: his – I told you guys this while we were watching the game, but I think the one play that basically just defined Michael Beasley and what we've seen from him all year was at, at the end of the game, Knicks were down five with 14 seconds left. He gets the ball top of the key. Just stands there with the ball for like eight seconds, and then drives and gets a layup, and then we're, we're losing by three with with three seconds left. So, good job, Michael Beasley. Thank for you for the basket, but there's there's no longer any chance of us winning this basketball game. And he he's a good scorer. He can fill it up. He's a horrible defender. He I mean his his baskets all seem to come with Entirely stopping the offense. It's it's just Michael Beasley and then four other people standing somewhere else. And the ball's not coming back out. He's just going to do his own thing. But he is a bucket getter, which is fun to watch. It's not necessarily effective and probably doesn't help us – doesn't contribute to winning basketball, I would say.
0: Yeah, and I kind of agree with just everything Greg just said. And I think this is just going to be his role where – you know, if there's a night where they don't have Tim Hardaway Jr., they don't have Kristaps Porzingis, throw him out there. He'll get you 20. But, you know, it's not going to be good for, for kind of the rest of the team because, like Greg said, he's going to get his 20 by, you know, he's pull he's going to drive it to the hoop himself. He's going to, you know, pull up from the, the side like he likes to shoot, shoot it. And he's not really going to do much for anyone else. So, you know, that – that's probably just going to be his role to to get buckets when our other uh, bucket getters are not there.
1: Yeah, and the one thing is, if if they called a an and one on that play I previously mentioned, where Michael Beasley got called for a charge, we'd be singing a different tune. We'd be saying yeah. we'd be saying how oh, this guy won us a game. while well, we well we didn't have Chris Stapps and uh, Timmy, so he he is important. Like I don't know if he should be a rotation player, but it's kind of weird. Like if we don't have Chris Stapps or Tim Artaway, we we just put this guy who who isn't even in the rotation in as like our feature player. Which and the, and I agree with it. It's is the craziest part.
2: Yeah, it, no, actually it's funny to think that way because he's not he's not good at being a role player, but he's serviceable as as, you know, the the main contributor. So like 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 we've been saying, when Chris Taps and Timmy are out. I'm what I'm curious though is if Timmy were healthy for this game, and we should talk about him by the way. If If he were healthy, then what would Beasley's role have been um, with Hardaway on the floor i I'm just yeah Hornacek's got some some tricky uh juggling acts to perform with this with this roster and uh and Beasley definitely presents kind of a an interesting situation
0: I think if if Tim Hardaway jr. was out there, it probably would have been pretty similar um for both Beasley and Hardaway where they both they're both chuckers. Hardaway's going to get his shots up. Um, The people who weren't going to get shots if that was the situation were Jarrett Jack shot 10, Courtney Lee shot 13. Courtney Lee went, you know, he had a great game. Uh, A lot of it was kind of by design where he was the focal point of the offense for a little while there. And he's not going to get all those shots if that's the case. Lance Thomas shot 11 shots, which I have to imagine is somewhere around his season high. Um, So a lot of those shots would have just... And Timmy and Beasley would have just you know, gotten their shots and everyone else would have just been there watching.
1: All right, yeah, I'll, I'll agree with all that. And, and one thing before we get to the Tim Hardaway Jr. injury I want to bring up quickly is, what you guys think about Ron Baker? The kid was back. And uh, that's partially goes with uh, with Hornacek putting in Sessions in the fourth quarter after he, he decided to put in Ron Baker earlier in the game instead of Sessions. I think that was partly because hardaway's more of a, a two guard hardaway is a two guard and baker is more capable of playing that I mean kinda like probably not he's taller this is is the only metric that that makes him more capable so what what'd you see uh he he played solid defense made it one good pass uh and other than that still looked like he shouldn't be in the n b a so <laughs> what'd you guys yeah see?
0: I'm. I mean, I. You know, I'm kind of on the same page as you again. I just, I've, I've never really been a Ron Baker fan. Uh, I think the, the big thing is like he tries really hard, but he's not good at basketball. So like, I just, I, I, I don't know what to do with the guy. You know, you
2: gotta be good at basketball to be a professional basketball player in this league. And, you
0: uh, would think.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I could do with less ron baker i could do with less uh of a financial obligation towards ron baker just less ron baker in general um i'm, I'm sure he, I, maybe not less children's books i could do with more children's books written by ron have baker. you read his children's book i haven't read greg? it yet but when i have it when i have a child i plan to
0: greg bought it for a nephew and like <laughs> it's it's an all right children's book and then at the end like the last thing he says is just completely out of nowhere
1: well, that's crazy. I think that I don't think that's what it is. It's like the whole book rhymes, and then like the the last line just isn't in the right measure, is what it was. You're like, this is decent, and then you get to the end, you're like, what? Wait, this is this is supposed to be in this measure. So that that just shows you he's not good at writing either. So <laughs> just a parable
2: on Baker's game.
1: Yeah, it's like oh oh oh, nope, and then. <laughs> So let's let's get to the big story. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. injury. Uh, they said it was a leg injury. I don't know. Some,
0: some sort of stress injury, I guess. So I think they wanted to just kind of keep off his feet.
2: We had uh, some uh, kitchen action going on somewhere. What's uh, what's happening over there?
0: Yeah, yeah. My girlfriend's trying to break into the the drawer to get some spoons or something. <laughs> Uh, don't really know what's going on. Apparently the drawer's not working. All right, yeah, we'll, let, but... we'll,
1: we'll let Tom field the question while she figures <laughs> that out. So Tom, yeah. Tim Hardaway Jr. Had a, had a leg injury. I don't think they didn't give any more details. They thought he was going to play today. Something happened while he was warming up, I guess, and now he's, he's out today, he's out tomorrow. So we don't really know anything. Should we be, be, be worried? They've been talking about him being injured all year with a, a foot thing, but now there's a leg injury. I don't know if yeah. it's the same
2: thing. <laughs> that's that's why I'm wondering. Is like, is this foot thing related to the you know the the foot bones connected to the leg bone situation where it's all sort of one injury? I mean, it, it is kind of worrisome just given that we don't know anything about it. And whenever there's mystery involved and they aren't transparent with their fans, then there's going to be a lot of speculation about it. Um, I hadn't noticed Hardaway Jr. like looking slow. That certainly hasn't been his problem. I think he's looked pretty good getting to the basket. It's just he hasn't been shooting the ball well. And, you know, maybe you wouldn't shoot the ball well if you had an injured leg, so... There I, you go. Yeah, may, maybe... There you go, like, uh, Tom. That's the answer
0: to the season, is that Tim Hardaway Jr. can't shoot because of his leg. And so once we get this fixed, he's going to be, you know, back up to normal shooting numbers.
2: Love it. It would be nice. His his shooting numbers have not been strong, so...
1: Yeah, and so I guess we should, we should flag it until we hear more. Um, it's been... Like I, I we just don't have enough information to make a an educated decision on what how we should feel. So, we Tim, hope you're all right. We don't know. Let us if know. If you're listening, give us a call, let us know how things are. That'd be perfect. So, let's, let's let's talk a little bit more about uh the playoffs. I know Kenny's 100% against it it seems like <laughs> I think I think yeah, if not, we, if not we not went exactly if we if we qualified, I don't think he would want them to attend. I think he would want them to decline the invitation. So, what what are you thinking? We are currently five hundred and ninth in the East. Um, it seems like the Eastern Conference playoffs is is taking shape. The the teams that you would expect to be one through eight or one through ten are are there. The, the Miami Heat are starting to figure it out. They're climbing up the rankings. They're they're in tenth we just smashed them though even though they That's didn't have, they didn't have their best player the the teams that you question are are the pistons real they're 5 and 5 in their last 10 are the, the 76ers real and are are the pacers for real so you you expect the celtics cavaliers raptors bucks and wizards to to make the playoffs and to be those top 5 seeds basically so are we in the same are we, are we are we in the mix for this eight eight seed? Do we think?
2: Yeah. So I think the question becomes who potentially could drop down out of that group, and and you listed them. Um, I think that the I think that the Sixer. I think first of all, I think the Pistons are, are real in that they could definitely be vying for home court. I don't think there's a chance that the Pistons drop out of the playoffs. I've I've watched them play a little bit, and and something seems to be working there. I, maybe it's Avery Bradley, maybe it's Stan Van Gundy's kind of got, um, got his players more bought in now. But Reggie Jackson looks a little healthier. And Andre Drummond's just been sensational. So and this isn't talking Pistons, but I, I just don't think they're going to drop out. 76 um, Sixers, same thing, where I, they, they look really talented. They, they, they're just so much bigger. Their starting lineup is huge um, with Ben Simmons like really running the point. Thing with the
0: Sixers always is that they got to stay healthy because all yep. of those guys have injury history. So you know, yeah. to the extent they stay healthy, I'm with you though.
2: No, and where I'm going with this basically is, I think Giannis isn't going to let his team fall out. I think the Wizards are good. It's the Pacers. It's the, I really do think it's that that eight spot that the Knicks have a chance to contend for. It, it'll be Pacers, Knicks, Heat. I don't think the Magic will be in contention. The Hornets have really struggled, even though I thought they'd be in in the mix there. Um, and so, yeah, just really those three teams—Pacers, Knicks, and Heat—fighting for that eight seed. And you know, I think the Knicks have as good of a shot as any of them to, to make it. What do you guys yeah, think? Yeah, and I'm—I'm I'm not as—I'm
0: not against the Knicks making the playoffs. I just, you know, I think that they are, you know, right there for that eight seed. I'm just, you know, it's—it's it's not a great spot to be, right? If—if if they get into the playoffs, like Greg said, getting—getting getting some playoff experience, that's good. Being just out of the playoffs is not a great spot to be, um, but I do think they can challenge for that spot, and they are going to, to play the Pacers next game, so they have the chance to jump them in the standings and you know get back in there, and then we could just end the season there, and
1: we'll be in. Hey, there's a good idea. So appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I think, yeah, it's it's just a it's a coin flip, a three sided coin. If they make those, it's one of those. So oh, those three sided coins. <laughs> yeah I don't know. We could we're like we've beaten the Pacers earlier this season. We just beat the heat. So I don't know. We, we are on the same level as those teams. We just we need to stay healthy as well. We need we need Chris steps to continue to play as well as he has. I know he's he's slowed down from what he was doing in the beginning of the year, but I think we've had some other players pick it up like Timmy. so it's it's even and out. Uh, we, just, we just need some consistency. we need, we need to win games. And that leads me to the next story. Are the Knicks road woes real?
2: Easy and, for you to say.
1: Yeah, right? It wasn't. It was very difficult. That's why I had to cough and pretend like I, I had to clear my throat because I messed up. So we, we've been bad on the road and good at home. And unfortunately, this week we had three home games and we went one and two. So that's, that's a bad sign as well. So what's up with the road? Kenny, I know you had some stats about what's about to happen to our schedule, so let's hear from you. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I mean, I think this is something that, that we, we touched on a little bit last week in that they, I their road splits aren't that bad or aren't as bad as they look because they've only, you know, the teams that they've lost to on the road for the most part are good teams. Then, you know, two weeks ago they lost to the Hawks and then that's all out the window. But the big thing that we – that you're referencing is the fact that from December 14th to March 9th, the Knicks will play 27 out of 39 games on the road. And that includes a stretch from December 27th to February 2nd. So basically the entire month of January um, that they will play 16 of 20 on the road, which is a lot of road games. And that's, you know, that, like I said, that's starting in on December 14th. So like two weeks from now, and you know, that's going to, that stretch is pretty much going to inform us of whether these road woes are re- real because, you know, they're just going to be playing a lot of road games. So, you know, I'm not ready to kind of fully say that they actually have a huge issue where they're a terrible road team and they're, you know, one, in, they're going to be one in six, you know, that's going to continue. But if it is an issue, we're going to find out real soon,
2: you know? Yeah. yeah and I, 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 I think, uh, one one positive though, Kenny, is that two of those upcoming road games will be at the Brooklyn Nets. So, that's kind of nice. Yeah. So it's like a road game at home. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then to complement our, our our stretch of road games, where we find out where we stand, where, where we stand, we got a stretch right now against a lot of bad teams, and we're about to. We should find out who we are. That'll let us find out who we are even sooner. We're about to play the Pacers, who are one game over. Grizzlies, Bulls, Hawks, Lakers, Nets, Thunder, Hornets, in that order. So those are all. it's a lot of bad teams. The Thunder are really the only team who who you think should be good. All the the Hornets are are a team that you think is capable, but you you're not surprised where, at where they are. So this this next stretch is is going to show us who we are. If we we should win these games, I mean. There's no hard teams in here, so that means that there's we're, we're gonna be playing hard teams later is what I'm trying to say so we need to win now
0: yeah uh-huh. and i'm I'm with you because uh, I get what you're saying in that they're gonna be playing some road games but they're gonna be playing road games against teams that they should beat so you know if the weight of being on the road like is heavier than the weight of playing a bad team then that's a bad sign so I get I get you I get your meaning and you're right. We're going to find this out very soon as we, you know, we have Indiana and Chicago are both on the road this uh, upcoming week. So, you know, two winnable games on the road.
2: Yeah. I mean, as long as everyone's healthy, those are definitely both extremely winnable. And actually regardless of who the Knicks trot out against the Bulls, that'll be winnable. So.
1: <laughs> Love to hear it. So let's just talk about, about this upcoming week. I know we started now. Pacers, Grizzlies have been struggling bulls have been i don't even want to say struggling they're just bad and then the hawks beat us earlier this year which was unfortunate so what are we what are we what are we thinking we don't have our two best players tomorrow so i'm gonna say we'll expect a loss to the pacers who have been playing well i think i speak for us all then grizzlies bulls and hawks what are you guys thinking
0: I'm not. I'm not ready to rule the Indiana game out. You know, I know we don't have our players, but like we said, we could just try Michael Beasley out, and he'll just, you know, replace them. So I'm thinking uh, we could go. We could go three and one. I think the Memphis game, or the sorry, the Indiana game is actually going to be the pivot game, as Jake would say. Um, if we lose that game, I see a two and two. But I think that's a winnable game. Like I know they've been playing better, but they're you know that's a winnable game. That's a a uh, potential budding rivalry game, as as kind of evidenced by the last time we played them, which was you know a, another tremendous game. So anything can happen.
2: So I'm going to be the optimist and say three and one, boom. Yeah, can you're giving a lot, giving a lot of respect to the Atlanta Hawks there. I know they beat us on the road before, but I mean in the Garden, I, we'll we'll see. What I know, I'm saying I got, three and one.
0: I, I'm saying the Indiana game is the pivot.
2: Yeah, that was me. I'm not I, giving any respect. I, I was the one talking about the Hawks being. Oh my there. bad. My, that's that's my fault. Uh, so I got a lot of grief from you guys last week when I picked the one and two week. Um, some of that was baked. I baked in some of the injuries into that. That was back. Yeah, when you knew that, that was back yeah. when Chris had the lower back thing though, when he sat out for lower back, I didn't obviously didn't know about the ankle. Um, but I, I wasn't sure that he was going to play all three games just because of the back thing. Uh, it ended up being something else entirely, which isn't comforting, but um, so yeah, so I was the pessimist last time. I didn't like being that guy and I I am thinking three and one here. I like when we talk about the pivot game. I, so I watched the Grizzlies play the Spurs last night and they can't score against, I mean, the Spurs have a pretty good defense, so maybe that's not a great measuring stick, but the Grizzlies just don't have an offense without Mike Connolly. Like Tyreek Evans is their best hope and he's, really coming back down to earth. I don't think the Grizzlies are gonna be able to score even even against the Knicks, frankly. Um, and and the Bulls suck and the Hawks they're not the, the Knicks aren't gonna lose two in a row to the Hawks. So yeah. The Pacers game I could see them losing. So three and one. I'm gonna agree with Kenny here and, and stick with that. The Blazers have lost or no the Grizzlies have lost eleven in a row, which
1: is is good, but you also are like how many they're not that bad. They're not a team that loses 11 in a row. So we don't want to be the team where where the, the law of averages finally works itself out and they get a W. No, so, it's a trap
2: game. It's definitely a trap game for sure. And I guess they're I'll... In, they're in this way right now. They just
0: fired Fisdale. Uh, Conley's injured. Like, Mark Gasol was very unhappy with the uh, coaching staff for benching him and then that ended with Fisdale getting fired. So... You know, four and zero. Boom, changing my mind. Wow. Officially, Kenny, you're on the record for four and zero. No, I think I think either Indiana or Memphis. I think we could potentially uh, lose one of those two games. So I'm sticking with three and one. But <laughs> okay. But but we could go four and zero.
1: Yeah. So I'm gonna say it's three and one because. We're gonna lose to the Pacers. I don't. We we don't have our two best players. We just lost to the. But Ma- we got Beasley. We just lost to the Magic, who are absolutely horrible. I don't know if you guys watched. They shot six for twenty-eight from three. We talked about it on this pod. Are you guys kidding me? <laughs> the Magic were so bad. they yeah, the are horrible. They've lost so many games in a row. They lost. I think. I think they lost 10 in a row and then beat the Thunder, and now they beat us.
2: That's right. So, and and like, one, uh, other, one other thing to look out for, though, is that the Hawks game on Sunday is the second night of a back-to-back. Uh, so they're in Chicago, then they come back home to play the Hawks. And, you know, that that is a risky thing, especially if Chris Tapps is healthy. Maybe they still don't want to play him on the second night of a back-to-back. So that's another one to look out for. It, there's a couple, a couple games in here where the Knicks are just going to have to come to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, while we're at it, let's just say the Bulls game is one to look out for if we're, if we're just going to do that. Let's not make that
2: leap.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah so, uh, As far as the Indiana game, maybe it's just kind of my,
0: my growing up in the Knicks household, but I am never ready to concede defeat to the Indiana Pacers, you know? Like, I know Tom's from Indiana, but, like, I generally hate the state. And maybe that's why I hate Tom so much. This is all starting to make a lot of sense.
1: Love Indiana. Yeah, and... Yeah, I think I think that's a loss. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep saying it until you guys finally come around and admit it. But we're we're all on the record for th- a 3 and 1 reek, which is great. That'll get us back over 500 and hopefully that'll get us back in the playoff picture. And the 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 Pacers game is the big one, to be honest, cuz that's our competition that we've been talking about. Yeah. So we're right ahead of us in the standings. So that's that game's kind of worth two two games in the in the big Big scheme of things, so yeah. So, so, we, it's, so it's, three unfortunate, two. it's unfortunate that we're going to lose it. If we win that game, then we're, it's
0: a four and one week, is what you're saying? Essentially.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Four you know, and one. It'd, it'd be a four and zero. It'd be a five and zero week, actually. If
0: if we beat Memphis too, uh, oh, for you. All right, I'm with you.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, at the very least, you have to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. So th- this upcoming week, that's at least the Grizzlies, Bulls, and Hawks. Three and one, lock it in. I was right last week. I'll be right again this week. All right, I love it. Anybody else got anything else to say?
1: Did we cover it all? I think we had a good pod. We didn't have Jake. I I think he he uh, he kind of hold us holds us back. I think that made the pod better. I don't know. Hope Jake doesn't listen to this. I
0: doubt he would. You know. I hope no one listens to this.
1: Any parting? <laughs> any parting thoughts?
0: Uh, t- you know, I just want to see, I want to, I, wanna, I wanna, I'm interested to see who starts tomorrow just because the Damian Dotson exp- uh, experiment did not work so well tonight. Um, and I'd like to see Dougie Buckets get that start in place of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.
2: Yeah. I want to see the Knicks. it's going to be all about the three point line for me, defending the three point line and shooting more threes. Just got to do it. Got to catch up to the rest of the league here and stop shooting all your mid range jumpers.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'll say, to go along with Kenny. Um, maybe not who's starting, but who's contributing tomorrow. And we need more out of McBuckets. He's he's one of our scores, and he went one for seven today, which ended in a loss. So maybe if McBuckets is on with this four and zero week, will happen. But that's all I got for this week. I think we did a great job. We'll see you again next week when the Knicks will be three and one, and we'll be talking about the three wins and the one loss, and there'll be good times. So hey. Great talking next with you guys. All right. Thanks, guys.